Jesus. Your word is true. Your word is powerful. Lord, you know who this message is for, Lord Jesus. I ask that, Lord, you would speak into their hearts, Lord. Your word, Lord Jesus. Your encouragement, Lord. Your warning, even, Lord Jesus. Lord, and I thank you, Lord, for your word already tonight, Lord Jesus, for your confirmation, Lord, through the gifts of the Spirit, Lord, of what you want to speak tonight, Lord. Lord, we trust in you, Lord, and we ask that your word will go forth as you would have it to go, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible, please turn to Exodus chapter 24. Please keep that tongue and interpretation in mind as we go through this message tonight because the Lord has confirmed His Word. Exodus chapter 24 and verse 1. So the Lord is speaking to Moses. And He said unto Moses, Come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and seventy of the elders of Israel and worship ye afar off. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with him. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said will we do. They committed their lives to God at that time. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. This was meant to be a time of significance, a time of consecration, a time of saying, God, we're going to follow your ways. And he sent young men of the children of Israel which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said will we do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. That is something that was significant. That is something that was powerful. That is something that had never happened before. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also they saw God and did eat and drink. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me and to the mount and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone. And so Moses then went up into the mount and left Aaron in charge. And the sight of the glory of the Lord, in verse 17, was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went up, went into the midst of the cloud and and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, And 70 of the elders of Israel had just had an incredible experience with God. They saw a manifestation of God himself, the invisible spirit that they had been following, and no one had seen face to face. 
It says that the nobles there saw God and did eat and drink, which could mean that they actually ate and drank with this manifestation of God. So they would have been talking with the creator of the universe and in fact having and a feast with him. This was an incredible experience that they would have taken to their graves. An incredible and life-changing experience. They had seen him who was not able to be seen. They had come face to face with their God and lived. It was something to tell their children and their children's children. It should have stayed with them for the rest of their lives, changed their action, their approach to life, the way they saw God, the way they looked at his commandments. So what happened less than 40 days later? Exodus chapter 32 and verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron. Aaron was one of the people who had had this incredible experience. And said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we what no, we no, we don't know what has become of him. And Aaron basically said, well, you know, break off the golden earrings, give all your gold to me. And, and they brought it unto Aaron and he fashioned a molten calf to worship instead of the God of Israel. And they said, these be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. How soon were they turned from God? How soon after an incredible experience with God were they turned away from following him? It says, And when Aaron saw it, he had built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play, which is basically fornication. They were completely going against everything that God had asked them to do everything that God wanted them to be and who they wanted, who God wanted them to follow, which was Himself. They went and they completely went the opposite direction. What happened to Aaron, Nadab, Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel? It wasn't just one or two that this experience had happened to. It was 73 people that were there in that congregation. When the people started to get worried, where was their calming influence? What did they do about it? Did they try to set them straight? They should have said, we've seen God, the God of Moses, and He's real. He's awesome in greatness. We saw God and returned. Moses will return as well. They should have comforted. They should have calmed the people. But instead, they held their silence. They saw that there were so many people wanting to go a different way, and they caved in. They gave up. They went with the crowd. They didn't have any strength in themselves to stay the course. This message is titled, Stay the Course. But what does stay the course mean? The modern meaning of stay the course can be found in dictionaries. The Oxford Dictionary says that stay the course means to keep going strongly to the end of a race or contest. An example is critics predicted the car could not stay the distance. And the second meaning is to pursue a difficult task to the end. And an example is success in small businesses requires determination to stay the course, to keep on track, to keep on going no matter what the difficulty. 
The Collins Dictionary says, if you stay the course, you finish something that you have started, even though it has become very difficult. It's the same with so many people who come to church today. They come to Jesus. They have a real, incredible, undeniable experience with God. They might even say something like, I'm never going back after what God has done for me. Or I've never felt anything like this before. God is real. But then we never see them again. Or they come for a while, but then slip out the back door. They might even be filled with the Holy Ghost, something that is incredible and powerful and should stay with them and us for the rest of our lives. But then there's a bit of pressure or opposition from their friends, their acquaintances, their family members. They find that it's too hard, too difficult to stay their course. They're not willing to go against the flow or popular thinking. They start to explain away their real undeniable experience with God. They try to rationalize what they have felt. And so they fall away and we never see them again. The Bible talks about these kinds of people in Mark chapter 4. Jesus was teaching the people, whoever would come to hear him, and he gave a parable. He said, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root. It withered away, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears, let him hear. The disciples asked them, What does this parable mean? We don't understand what what, what spiritual application does it have? They realized that there was more to it than just a parable, just a nice story. And Jesus explained it. The sower soweth the word, the word of God. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts of other things entering and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. It was a parable about people starting to follow Jesus, um, trying to do the works of God, trying to follow what God had set out for them to do. They hear the word, they receive it, but what happens? Some of them, they go away straight away. They hear it and then it's gone. It's, it's taken out of their mind and out of their heart. Second one goes for a bit, but it becomes too difficult and they just fall away. Third one, there's stuff that chokes out the Word of God from them. Stuff of this world that chokes out the world, chokes out God from their lives. And the fourth keeps on following God 
to the end. They bring forth fruit. They have something better than where they started. The first two types of soil refer to those who are here one day and gone the next. Some even give up before they get started. That's the first type. Others start walking and try to keep going, but it all becomes too hard, the second type. The third type of soil. There's a parallel to this type of soil in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized under Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all eat the same spiritual drink for they drank that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. They all had the same chance, the same choices to make. They all had the same uh, ability to be saved as everyone else. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. These are the sorts of things that... The lusts of the, the world, the, the, the lust of the eyes, the, the things that can come in and choke out the word if we allow them to come in. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples or examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. There are examples to say we shouldn't follow after what they what they did because they destroyed them. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. When we think that we've got no problems, when we think that we're good, that we can stand on our own, we are in a big bit of trouble because we can't do anything without God. There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. God has told us that he won't let us be tried above that which we are able to bear. Those that are the third type of soil, who start to let the things of this earth crush out the word of God from them, need to know that no temptation can take us, but God will make a way of escape for us. God has told us that he won't let us be tried beyond that which we are able to bear. That goes for all four types of soil. Wherever you are, however you have received the word of God, God won't let you be tempted above that which you are able. It all depends on how we respond to the circumstances, to the trials, to the temptations, to God dealing with us. It all is based on what we do with what comes against us. He said that he would provide a way of escape with the temptation itself. He's not going to give us a temptation that we are definitely going to fall and disappear with. But any temptation that comes with us, 
He's given us a way to escape, to refuse, to make a different choice, to choose the way of God instead. There will always be a way to choose what's right, to choose to keep following God no matter what the situation. Nobody can force you to quit following Jesus. Nobody. You make that choice all on your own. No matter what the pressure from family members, friends and acquaintances, they can never force you to quit. No matter what they may threaten to do, they will never own you. You are your own master when it comes to determining your own eternity. You can't say, God, I was forced to do it. I was forced to stop following you. That's not going to fly with God because he has given us a way to stand, to stay the course. You must make the choice to keep following Jesus or the choice to give up because it's all too hard. There are choices and it is always a choice. There are never any decisions that are forced on you when we talk about following God. You need to choose. You need to decide. You need to stay your course. No matter what happens, don't let anything get in your way or stop you from following Jesus. That will be the most important choice that you will ever make. Don't give Don't ever think that you have done something too bad or gone too far from God for God to be able to bring you back. That is a lie from the devil. Think about this. The children of Israel continually rejected God. Time and time and time again. They went and did their own things. They fell away from God. Someone would bring them back to God and they'd fall again. And then it was just a continual cycle. And they just kept backsliding and backsliding, going away from God. They went into idolatry and God had finally had enough of them. He allowed them to go through the wilderness for 40 years. He even caused them to go into exile, bondage and slavery under the Assyrians and the Babylonians because of their sin. But even while they were in exile... What do you think the attitude of God was to them? They had brought it on themselves. They had continually rejected God. They had continually fallen away. They had gone into idolatry. They had done everything against God that could be done. Do you think that God's attitude was complete and utter harsh rejection for their sins and their rejection of Him? The answer to that is no. While they were going through this great trial, this great tribulation that was of their own making, what do you think God was saying to them? Here's a few examples. Isaiah 49 and 8. Thus saith the Lord, In an acceptable time have I heard thee. This nation that would not listen to God, this nation that had refused to listen to God and went their own way, in an acceptable time have I heard thee. In a day... Of a salvation have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee, and give thee for a covenant to the people to establish the earth, to cause to inherit the desolate heritages. He gave them promises. A bit further down, sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains, 
For the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath, my Lord hath forgotten me. And, and this is what God says to them. Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. It may even be possible for a woman to forget her child, yet will I not forget you. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. In Isaiah 49, 22 to 26, God promises to deliver his people and destroy those that enslave and oppress his people. Isaiah 51, 11 says, Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion and everlasting joy, not just joy for a little period of time, but everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. This was a promise to backslid in Israel. Isaiah 52, 9, Break forth unto joy. Sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord hath comforted his people, and he hath redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Isaiah 54 and 5, For thy maker is thine husband. He still refers to them as in a betrothal relationship. They rejected him. They backslid. They went into idolatry. They completely forgot about him. But he still refers to them as his wife. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. For the Lord hath called thee as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, and a wife of youth, when thou wast refused, saith thy God. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee or rebuke ye. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. Isaiah 54, 17, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage. He's talking about them having... Um, an inheritance with him of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Isaiah 55 and 6 Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. These people who had rejected him. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God for he will Pardon just a little bit. No, he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And then just a couple of verses down. So shall my word be that goeth forth. 
out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break down forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Time and time and time again, God sent his messenger Isaiah to tell Israel that he still cared about them, that he would still mightily deliver them from their situation. And this was to a backslidden nation who had brought their own situation, their own circumstances, their own punishment on themselves. Do you think that God would care any less for you, who he called out of darkness and into his marvelous light? We who are Gentiles, who aren't even the people of God, who God has shown mercy and grace and forgiveness and redemption and salvation, you who are the sons and the daughters of the Most High God, you mean just as much to God as His nation that He called. God cares about you, and He will deliver all who He is called to follow Him. That's me. And that's you. Say, that's me. We just need to stay our course. That's all we need to do. Don't deviate to the right hand or to the left. Keep our eyes set on Jesus. And the prize of eternal life waiting before us. And... Jesus is our role model in these matters. In Isaiah, that we've looked at, in between talking about his people still being special and important to him, God talks about the one who will be the ultimate saviour of all mankind. He who will go through intense trials and tribulations, leading to his death on a cross, being despised and rejected by his own people. Israel never learned. They never learn. What does Isaiah say in chapter 52 about Jesus? It says that his visage, his appearance, was so marred more than any man. The Bible says that he wasn't recognizable as a man because he'd been beaten and whipped so much. In Isaiah 53 and 3, it says he is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Not just one, not just two, not just those that are good enough for God, but of us all. Anyone who will respond to his call, anyone who will say, God, I want to follow you, he laid on Jesus the iniquity of all of us. And that's past, present, and future when we come to him and repent. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. 
He was accused unjustly, but he didn't say anything back. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. You see, we might have gone through some mighty big trials and situations in our lives. And some of us might be going through some mighty big trials and situations at this time. We might be going through some impossible situations right now. There's no way out. There's nothing we can see. There's no way that we can see that we can walk another step. There's no way we can see that we're going to keep walking with Jesus. But our Savior went through so much more than what we will ever go through here on this earth. And He still kept His course. He knew His purpose. He knew the reason why He was on this earth. And He kept that single-minded focus, the determination to stay His course. He is our ultimate role model. If I could get someone to the piano, please. Jesus wants us to stay our course. He doesn't want us to give up. He doesn't want us to go halfway and then say, this is all just a little bit too hard. I made a mistake. It's time to go back. As the writer of Hebrews said, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Staying the course, staying in the race, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. If we can get our eyes on Jesus, then everything becomes clear. Then our course becomes clear. Then everything around us seems just that little bit dimmer who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Just like Jesus stayed his course, we are commanded to stay the course ourselves with patience. He doesn't want us to give up before he delivers us from our situations. I wonder how many people have given up following Jesus just before he was about to deliver them. I wonder how many people said, this is too hard. And Jesus is saying, it's just right around the corner. My deliverance is just right around the corner. He doesn't want us to give up before he delivers us from our situations. That doesn't mean that He's going to deliver us in the exact way that we think He will. God knows better. We read that His thoughts are higher than ours. But what we need to know, we need to take away, is that there's never any trial or pressure enough to force us to quit following Jesus. Remember, it's our personal choice. So, I challenge you tonight, God challenges you tonight to make your mind up right now. Will we follow Him no matter what? What is our determination like? Are we going to stay the course no matter what the situation 
that comes against us. No matter how, what horrible situation or circumstances front of us, is in front of us, will we still make the choice to follow Jesus? We need to choose now. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the time to make that choice. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know what the pressures will be. We don't know what situations we'll face. And if our mind isn't made up, then we may not stay our course. We may not be going through a trial right now, but when one comes up, we need to have made that choice already. Don't leave anything to chance. And don't leave it up to your feelings either. Your feelings are your worst guide. They will betray you. They will tell you to do something that is against the Word of God. Your feelings, you'll feel differently when you're going through that trial, I promise you. And if you haven't got your mind made up before then, then you're in a dangerous place. Won't you make a commitment today, right now, that will affect the rest of your life, your course, your direction, your choice? Make the choice to stay the course. Just like the Apostle Paul did, and he was able to say at the very end of his life, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I've stayed the course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day. And not to me only. He's saying this is not a personal thing for me but unto all them also that love His appearing. Those that have kept their course. Those that have walked ahead in single-minded determination. The Apostle Paul stayed his course and he knew that he was about to receive his reward. Make the decision right now to stay the course with Jesus. He will never let you down, but we can let Him down and we can give up. Determine now that you will be there rejoicing at the end, knowing that you have weathered the storm, you've never given up, that you have stayed the course. And I know that there's someone in this place tonight, I do not know who you are, who is considering giving up. It's all become a bit too hard. You can't take it anymore, but the Lord would say to you, stay the course. Keep walking. Keep walking and He will deliver you. That's a promise. That is a promise. And so I invite, I open up the front of the church. I invite anyone who wants to make that commitment to God, to renew that commitment to God. To say, God, I've been wavering. To say, God, my situations are overwhelming me, but I know your word. I know you're true. I know that you're speaking to me, and I want to stay my course with you. I invite you to come. Come and pray. We'll pray with you. And let God determine your course tonight.